Here's the question. Do do I intro or do you? Well, I was thinking I would intro, but you reminded me of something a moment ago that, to my absolute horror, is one of the brightest parts of my week that I absolutely forgot about. I cannot remember. I forgot about the oh my goodness. So, and, oh my goodness. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports Technically, episode 535. Welcome in. And uh, joining me is my father, Stephen Schaumler. Now, I'm not sure. Am I the host or are you? I, I actually don't know the answer to this question. I, I don't know. I'm, I don't I'm, think we need I'm a good host. The... We just talk about sports, right? It's father, we son talking about football. <laughs> yeah, so this is the Strong Opinion Sports Weekly. Uh, I thought it was weekly chat, but it's Strong Opinion Sports Weekly. We're and still so figuring for, it out. I think behind the scenes we're debating all kinds of stuff, what it's going to look like here and there, and ah, we'll figure yeah. it out. Yeah, and um, so current plan, once a week you and I'll have a ch- chat about sports, and we'll talk. Um, we'll work out some wrinkles. I, uh, If you're listening to this uh, in podcast land, I'm sure that it sounds absolutely amazing. I say that in all seriousness. If you are watching, um, I feel like my why I can't get the lighting figured out is driving me nuts. But it's like, no, let's just record and make it happy. Uh, so who knows how it's going to look visually when it's done. Um, and then, so episode 535, Strong Opinion Sports, of uh, a weekly talk and the podcast. But for those that are absolutely crazy about your film analysis, you are working on film analysis videos in the background. Am I right? Yeah, it's it kind of weighs on me. It, it's taking a long time. I'm working on one, and I've been working on one for like two weeks, and it, it, I'm still working on it. And it's it just, it's a massive process. And so, uh, you know, behind the scenes, the YouTube channel is going to have Strong Opinion Sports Weekly, a different thing, and the regular Strong Opinion Sports YouTube channel will be just film analysis and whatever other YouTube videos I can come up with. But I think we found a way to do a podcast weekly about sports and have it be kind of a separate thing that's different than it used to be. And I think we should just jump in and talk about this weekend because I thought it was a incredible weekend of football um, full of upsets and surprises and maybe things that weren't surprises. But um, I'll tell you what, I have been talking to myself, whether it's in a basement or a dorm room or a truck for years about sports. I'm, I'm elated to actually have someone on the other side to like look at and talk to and be like, did you see this? Did you see that? For example, did you see that Trevor Lawrence went to Waffle House after beating um, the Chargers? Like that, I, I would kill to be an NFL quarterback, win a playoff game, and then just like I'm the man, just walk into a Waffle House and be like, yeah, what's up? Like, and basking in the moment. I thought that was so cool. So um, I, I, I think that was the Jaguars Chargers was the, of the, all the wild card games was the, for me, it was the best, most amazing, insane game. Was that your favorite of the weekend? Yeah, it's my favorite of the weekend. You know, I was it's really funny. glad that yeah, the Bengals won. Really glad the Bengals won, but that mm-hmm. game itself for just pure crazy enjoyment, that Chargers Jaguars game was insane. I, I thought that Brandon Staley, the Chargers head coach, saved his job by making the playoffs. And he hasn't been fired yet. They fired their offensive coordinator this morning. And I, I, I don't know if he's going to keep his job or not. But I surely thought he's totally safe when he made the playoffs. Then they blew a 27 nothing lead. And I'm like, suddenly I'm like, I don't know that he's safe anymore. I really, oh, I, I have no idea. Watching his body language in the sidelines, the body language of his team, there's no way in the world I would keep them. Because when they got up 27 to nothing, it seemed like they felt relief. 
as opposed to elation and vindication and validation. It's like, oh, thank goodness we're going to win because we were afraid. And that seemed to be the energy they had. And then they celebrated too much and too soon, I think is part of the reason they lost. And on the sidelines, he always looked anxious. He looked physically anxious, like the energy leaking out of him. He looked anxious like a cat on a hot tin roof. He did not look peaceful. He didn't. He just looked anxious. And I, that, I, don't, I don't think that changes. No, I, That's why you know, I fire I, him. I love him as a person. I really think he's he should be the next defensive coordinator of the Minnesota Vikings. I think that'd be a great, you know, like I, I think he's a great coach who, in in terms of his players love him, I would love to play for him. He seems like a, like a wonderful man, but maybe a bit over his head as a head coach. And then also, yeah. you know, he's a defensive-minded guy, and I get it. He's got some offensive background. I think he actually played quarterback in college. But I, if I was... An, an NFL decision maker. I would want the person working with my incredible young quarterback to be an offensive guru. A, a guy like Trevor Lawrence has in Jacksonville, Doug Peterson. If we have Justin Herbert, this incredibly talented quarterback, I'm getting a guy who's kind of an offensive genius to work with him. And it's surprising to me, maybe not surprising, it's disappointing to me the Chargers don't appear to have any... Um, what's the sense... What's the word for... There's no hurry. There's no urgency i guess is the word to support justin herbert with an awesome coach like maybe sean payton and i think it's they're in they're in danger of wasting good years of justin herbert's career with not quite the right coach and that's that's a problem to me that i don't quite understand like they they refuse to spend money uh to go get a really top tier coach and it's not a new problem for the chargers but it's certainly a frustrating one yeah, I just, I guess, I want to come back and talk about the game, but let's jump in and talk about coaching. I don't think that, um, the Spanos family owns the Chargers, if I'm not mistaken, and I don't think they want someone as powerful as um, uh, Sean Payton would be. I don't think they would consider him, because I think they want someone they can control, um, kind of mm-hmm. like I think that's why Jerry Jones has Mike, Mike McCarthy. Um, yeah. Well, I, then I just winning isn't the- at the forefront of their approach. It, I, I think they would say things more valuable than winning to them. But I think they would give lip service. No, winning does matter around here. But I, I, I just look in sidelines. I just echo what I said before. I didn't see any confidence. I mean, you looked at Doug Peterson on the sidelines. He was always confident. And even if they didn't win, you knew he was going to come close. That's like the energy he gave. And I really believe the energy you leak out matters so much. How about Trevor Lawrence throwing four interceptions and, and like – the, the resilience it takes to throw not one, not two, not three, but four interceptions in a playoff game. And, and then to come back and keep fighting, and not only keep fighting, but eventually win the game. Like that, I, I, I've kind of clowned on Trevor Lawrence before. He's very monotone the way he interacts with his teammates. And you're like, ah, how, how great of a leader is this guy? What we saw on Saturday, this dude's a really, really incredible leader. And I thought when his team needed him most, he stepped up, and there were veterans on that team that were like, "This guy, man, we we knew it." I think I think he really earned the respect of his teammates on Saturday. They already liked him, they already believed in him, but this was the moment that he kind of arrived as a quarterback and as the man in Jacksonville, and that was very, very cool to see. And I don't think in his head he threw four interceptions because the first interception was a weird tip that was tipped like twice. Um, And so you're like, ah, it's not like I threw it directly to somebody else. So, yes, four interceptions in the stats, but in his head, it's like, ah, that was bad luck. 
It wasn't incompetence. So I, what, two or three of his interceptions were more bad luck than, than just sheer incompetence, incompetence throwing it to the other player. I just, I think it still requires a, a massive amount of confidence to do that, to, to be dealing with, because the problem is, if, if you care what other people think, you know that nobody's going to go, oh, did this maybe get tipped? Because people, like on Twitter, for example, are just going to look at the outcome and not worry about how it happened. And I, I know some people that that outcome would keep them and the, the shame of that, that stat line would discourage them the rest of the game. And he just kept going and going and going. And I, I love that, man. I really, um, it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's so cool to see where Trevor Lawrence is today after winning his first playoff game compared to where he was a year ago from today when he, remember, had that horrible year dealing with Urban Meyer and really got no support. And then early on this year, even, people were saying, oh, Trevor Lawrence isn't very good. He's a bust. He was so bad last year. And I remember I kept saying, just wait. Be patient. He's going to figure it out. He's got an awesome coach, great support around him. And look what happened. I mean, it's cool to see the guy succeed, especially with the context of last year's disaster with Urban Meyer. Yeah, and really it's interesting. The game's over and the, um, uh, the reporter on the field was interviewing him and he talked about belief and belief. We knew we were going to win. And uh, she asked this really good question, you know, where does this undying belief come from? And he said, well, it comes from all of us. It come, we all believe it, but, but it comes from our head coach. And mm-hmm. I think Doug Peterson believes in their players' potential. Um, I was working on a, another piece of content uh, unrelated to sports at all, and I was reflecting on your football journey. And uh, you had exposure to a couple different coaches, and I had face-to-face exposure to those coaches. And one of your two coaches in high school really believed in their players' potential. Um, and that coach had teams that were, were ranked in statewide in the state that they played in. And I think having a coach that really believes in their players' potential and knows what can happen. I mean, Doug Peterson knows that victory can happen. I think that makes such a huge difference. I think it's cool. He got fired by Philadelphia. And I, I, I uh, you know, was kind of felt like he got screwed over a little bit there. Um, and it worked out for Philadelphia, right? They're the number one seed in the NFC. They've got Nick Sirianni, an awesome young head coach. But I always felt like Doug Peterson wasn't quite given the right um, – so I didn't like how that went down with Doug Peterson. He wins you a Super Bowl. He did so well. And I'm just happy for the guy now that he took a year off of football. Now he's back. He's the head coach of the Jaguars. And in year one, won them a playoff game. I mean, man, like what a story that is to me to, to go from top of the world, you know, Super Bowl winning head coach to fired – out of football for a year, and then the first year back, you make the playoffs with this awesome young team. And it's the joy and the energy that we get to see in Jacksonville that makes me really, really excited for them. And what? how bad, how bad does this make Urban Meyer look? Yeah. I, Basically the same team. I don't, uh, I mean, that's not entirely true because they, they did trade for a lot of receivers and make some moves here and there, but it's, it's a lot of the same players. And I, I don't know that Urban Meyer should ever touch a football field again. It's I don't I don't even like watching him as a broadcaster. If I'm totally honest. I, I look at him like on the sidelines of Fox College Game Day or whatever the heck they call it, and I'm like, why is this guy here? I don't I don't I would have a hard time working with Urban Meyer. I'd be like, you have no credibility anymore. And it's funny to see like Matt Lyon or Reggie Bush interact with him, and I'm like, why is this guy here? I just don't 
I don't care what Urban Meyer has to say about football. I, I lost basically all respect for the guy. Um, and it, I, I can't imagine he's ever going to coach again, hopefully. Um, but e- even as a broadcaster, I'm like, I don't know why, why you're allowed in this, in this opportunity, in this moment. So another reason that I think Brandon Staley just isn't the man um, is you could say, and it's never one play, it's never one play that makes or loses a game, no matter what anybody says. A lot of people leave, but it's just not because all the plays add up together. Um, But I think Joey Bosa really hurt his team when he was mad and did a juvenile throw his helmet on the field and you went from kicking uh, an extra point to getting a two-point conversion. Because if he hadn't have done that, they would have kicked two points and then it would have been tied and it would have gone to overtime. Instead, he made it much more likely that Trevor Lawrence could reach his big long arm up over and get a two-point conversion. Yeah, that, that moment was costly. I don't, I don't know how that reflects on the coach so much as it just is a, it's a, it's a head-scratching mistake by the player. That you're like, I don't, it's like, ah, I, you can't do that in that moment, man. Do you think anybody that plays for Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick would have done that? I think it shows lack of lack of of culture and respect for the coach, and you're kind of winging it on your own mm-hmm. thing. And we've got too much emotion. Um, I don't think anybody that played for Sean Payton would dare do that. They would know that is not okay. Um, you know, you've been yeah. in homes. Go yeah. ahead. Well, it's an interesting um, discussion because I I don't know that Belichick works either anymore. Right, the, the Belichick overlord, like the Sith Lord, death grip on what's going on. I don't think that works very well, but neither does no no control. And I think the way you you build discipline in today's NFL is with respect and, and allowing your players freedom. I look at, um, frankly, you know, I, I love Mike McDaniel in Miami. I think he's like such a, you know, a shining example of how to give your players freedom and get them on the same page and to fall in line because they respect you and like you, not because they're afraid of you. I don't. I don't think Brandon Staley does enough of either thing. He's just not an imposing figure as a leader in, in any direction. Um, well, well, let me try. Let me try again. I, I agree with you. I think that Belichick's. I mean, I could be wrong. I loved what he did, but I think his best series behind him. I don't think his model works anymore. But uh, you, you mentioned McDaniel, right? Um, yeah. Uh, in um, in Miami, I just think that players would know that kind of behavior is just not okay. It would not be tolerated. Um, I think you've yeah. been in houses where, you know, the, the, the moms say the mom's in charge and the kids just know, even visiting kids, there's certain things you just don't do in that house. Now, mom's great. She's nice. She takes care of you. She does whatever. But there's some moms where there's just, you know, you are not going to cross that line. And I think that Brandon Staley doesn't have the respect of his players for them to to have that internal stop. Man, I can't throw a fit on the field and cost my team one extra point, which really had a big impact on the game. Yeah, you know, it's it's tough. I, I feel for him. LA's a, a different city and they got so much talent on that football team. I think that's the most the most damning thing about Brandon Staley is that they I don't know that he's the right person to manage all of the personality and the star players. And not that they're not like a bunch of Terrell Owens level personalities, but you've got really, really talented football players everywhere and that that team shouldn't be barely making the playoffs and losing in the first round with how many great players they've got. Um, I don't know that he's the right person to wrangle all them in and get them on the same page because it just feels like the Chargers are massively underachieving. 
Yeah, I think that some coaches just have that presence. You just kind of feel it. They just like Sean Payton on the sidelines. He just has that presence. Like we are, we're not going to screw around here. We're going to have fun. Like he's not a not a stick in the mud at all. I think it would be a blast to work with him or play for him, be on his team as a coach or a staff member. But I think there's also just he just has that presence and that respect. And some coaches have it, and some coaches don't. And I just don't think Brandon Staley has it. But anyways, that was my favorite game. It was cool to watch. Um, uh, the comeback was incredible. Uh, it was just pretty amazing. That's why the NFL is my favorite sport, is because of games like that. It's just incredible. So what game you want to tackle next? I want to talk about, did you see, I might have to send it to you, the video where Mike McDaniel may or may not be vaping. Have you seen that, that clip at all anywhere? No. <laughs> oh, I, I got to send it to you. I, real quick, we can do this well. I sent it to myself. So for this moment, if I needed to, I can send it to you to open it. It's just, I want to talk about that game. Um, but I, I want to talk about this moment in particular because I, I, I just want another human to watch this video. I, I can't imagine he is or is not vaping. I don't, I don't really know. I, I think he's an, an incredible coach. And the fact that Miami lost by three points to Buffalo with a third-string quarterback is really incredible. Uh, and, and by the way, it's kind of funny that DeMar Hamlin is number three, and in their first playoff game since the injury, they won by three. That's interesting to me. But watch the video I just sent you of Mike McDaniel maybe or maybe not vaping during <laughs> during the Dolphins game. I, it's insanity. I'm like, what? is? Because it does look like he's vaping, but maybe it's just cold. I'm not really sure. Yeah, I think it's just cold. We, we lived in Minnesota. Um, it was just cold. You just blow breath out. You just feel it. Yeah, I don't think he's vaping there. Yeah, I'm not saying he doesn't vape, but I, well, I did see like, it in that video. Also, mm-hmm. like he could just be, you know, like yeah, like just fidgeting with their mouth. Like it's so, I I can't I cannot fathom that an NFL coach would actually do that. No matter. But the thing about Mike McDaniel is he's wacky enough that it's it's a believable conspiracy theory. You're like. If any coach is going to do that in that moment, it is it is freaking Mike McDaniel. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of the fun of him, is he's so wild and out there that he might just do that. I don't think he did. I don't know. I walked away from this year with so much respect for him. He's maybe my well, he is. He's my favorite coach in the NFL. Like the way he interacts with players, the way he built up Tua. Uh, he's he's a stinking genius when it comes to play design. And it's unfortunate. Did you watch the game? Did you see how you know they got a penalty at the end for a delay game and on like a fourth and one, it made it fourth and six, and it really cost them. They didn't yep. get it on fourth and six. But yep. I, I don't know. Like I, I think for me, what I focus on with that game is the fact that it's even close when it really should not have been given. You're playing with Skylar Thompson, a third, you know, a third string, seventh round rookie quarterback. Maybe not seventh round. I can't remember where he's drafted, but. He's a rookie quarterback that should not be in this game at all. And to make it that close is really impressive. And I, I walked away from Miami-Buffalo thinking that Buffalo survived a bad game. But Miami's clearly ready to win. And I am I love Tua. I, I've got a Tua jersey. I've got a Tua shirt. I would say he's my favorite quarterback in the NFL. As far as, like, I love him as a person. But Miami's got to have a quarterback competition because I... I want to see Miami succeed, and I'm I'm really tired of waiting for Tua to be healthy enough to play all the time, and not taking care of his body and taking really bad hits. And I, there was a stretch of four games during December where he did not play well at all, 
And if you're not executing at a high level, you're hurt all the time, you're not available, and you're not that talented physically. Like you watch Justin Herbert or Josh Allen, they're so much more physically gifted than Tua. So what is what are the positives Tua brings to the table? I don't know. And it's weird to talk about Tua in relation to a game he didn't even play in. But I walked away going, like, clearly this Miami team is ready to win. They just got to figure out the quarterback position. And I'm not convinced Tua is the guy. Do you think Tua is the guy? Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Who's the quarterback of the 49ers currently? Brock Purdy. Yeah. I think that the Miami needs a Brock Purdy. I think that um, McDaniel's developing a really good system, very similar to the 49ers system. He comes out of that whole family tree. Um, and if they can do it with their third string quarterback, then they can definitely. And I'm not saying that 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 I'm not saying that Brock Purdy or the Miami uh, who played quarterback for Miami at the game. Um, anyways, their third string quarterback. I'm not saying either one of those are the man. But if they can do that, Miami can do that with their third string quarterback. They definitely need a quarterback that's there all the time. And once you have concussions, I just think you're going to keep hitting concussions. It's how he plays, and 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 it's it's bad if he gets hit again and hurt again uh, with a concussion. Everyone's going to be on them. They're risking his life. You know, it's, he's going to commit suicide later. It's just all kinds of terrible things that I would be worried about. You keep getting hit in the head. It's bad for you. You know, CTE is a real thing. I just think from a marketing perspective, it's a bad idea. But I think from a from a football perspective, I love to a great family, great people. Seems like a great human being. I would ditch him in a heartbeat um, for a quarterback that fits the system and is almost as good, but I don't have to worry about any more concussions. What about Tom Brady in Miami? I, I'll tell you what, man. I think he's better than Tua. Like, oh, he's does, for does sure. Tom Brady, does Tom Brady win that game between Buffalo and Miami? I, I think Tom Brady would have won, would have beat Buffalo on this weekend. So Miami has a good enough offensive line for Brady, right? Yeah. And, and also they don't need to have a great offensive line because they've got Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and you can get the ball out of Tom Brady's hands so quickly that I, I, I think remember they tried to make that happen before. Why was the Dolphins owner suspended for the early part of the year? Cause he tried to get Tom Brady. I, I would love to see Tom Brady challenge and maybe, Maybe Tua sits behind Tom Brady and learns for two years, and then comes back as a different quarterback in two years. But we, we should probably talk about Tom Brady next. But I, I got to say, like I, I am just hoping Miami brings in some kind of competition at the quarterback position, whether it's Derek Carr or Tom Brady. Um, I, I, I just, man, and I, this, this, the he, you know, I think the Jets and the Dolphins are so similar, where they've got a coach I like, they've got a lot of talent. And they just are wasting really, really talented football teams with a quarterback that's not quite good enough to take them where they need to be. And it's just like, oh, man. Okay, and we'll I come can be honest about that, right? I can say yeah. I, I love Tua, but I still can analyze he's not cutting it. So what do you think of the Dolphins' performance? I mean, the Bills' performance during that game? Buffalo, ah, it was... I don't know, how to, I don't know why they were so... Um, Maybe unbuttoned is the word. You know, like they, I just, I thought it wasn't a great game from them. And some of that's because McDaniel's clever, but I, I'm really, I, I don't know what to make of them. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I thought they were a bit shaky, and I, I couldn't tell you why because they ended the year, the regular season, on this incredible high note, like dominating. I can't remember where they played the last game of the year. 
you know, they had like two kickoff return touchdowns and were firing at all cylinders. And they came out flat and making mistakes. And it was very um, surprising and and a bit worrisome. Um, well, my friend, like, uh, David, David Reddy Jefferson, uh, I love him. He has an incredible clothing line, um, Stack and Kicks. Uh, he talks about the energy a lot. You know, they had that game where they had a player die on the field um, sure. and all the energy got taken away. And then, like, it's a miracle. He's tweeting them and calling them and saying, hey, win this one for me. So then they went from the lowest of lows to the highest of highs. And I think that's got to wear you out. So mm-hmm. I think there's energetically, they came into It's like an emotional hangover. Yeah, on empty, emotionally on empty. They just, it was empty and then full and just, they're just wrecked. They just needed, they needed a bye week. It's been a um, roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also they were kind of not expecting to be punched in the mouth by, um, by by the dolphins, but you know, like it's a fight. But we thought, oh, I'm just going to take them down. All of a sudden, it's, they're punching me in the mouth. This is hurting. I didn't expect this. I'm already out of gas, and I have a fight I didn't expect. Well, so the way the game played out was Buffalo was up like 17 nothing, and you know Miami started really really bad. They were dropping passes, and it was it was a mess. And then Miami came back and and made it interesting. By halftime, it was like 2017, 20 to 17 at halftime, and I remember going like, whoa, what? How, how is Miami doing this, right? And Buffalo won in the second half, but I, I think I, I like the perspective that they had an emotional hangover and they could have used a bye week. They didn't, but they survived. In college football, we talk about how it's important to survive the bad game. Every, every college football team that wins a national title and goes undefeated has that one game a year where you're like, oh, they weren't great, but they survived it. Maybe Buffalo is a great football team, that survived their bad their bad playoff game. And I think the question that's interesting is, who is the best team in the AFC? Is it Cincinnati, Kansas City, or Buffalo? Depending on who you ask, and if you ask anyone from Cincinnati, Buffalo, or Kansas City, they all think it's them, right? Everyone thinks they're the best team in the AFC, and I, I don't really know. Um, I'm, one of those three teams I think is going to win the Super Bowl, whether it's Joe Burrow or Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. And... I, I'm I'm fascinated, man. I, I really like. It's going to be such a fun couple weeks between those three teams vying for the top in the AFC because I just have no idea what's going to happen. So you think one of those three teams is going to who that who they're going to beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I, I don't know. Let's let's can we talk about that for a minute? That's that's a question I want to ask you. Not who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl, but who do you who do you want to win the Super Bowl? Because I I. If I could write the narrative, I want the Super Bowl to be Buffalo and, and, and San Francisco. You've got this incredible story of DeMar Hamlin in Buffalo. You've got this incredible story with Brock Purdy with the 49ers. This guy comes out of nowhere, third-string quarterback, seventh-round pick. And then from there, I don't care. Like, I, if the 49ers win the Super Bowl, I'd be so happy. It's, it's an unbelievable story. Brock Purdy is, like, so cool. And he's the second – I mean – the last time we saw a story quite this exciting is, frankly, Tom Brady. So I am, I'm rooting for, and I've got even more reasons why I'm rooting for the 49ers, but I really want to see 49ers Buffalo in the Super Bowl because that just sounds interesting. But I'm curious who you want to see win the Super Bowl or who, what two teams you want to see play each other. Uh, for sure, the Bengals. Okay, Joe Burrow. Joey Joe B. Burrow. 
Joey B. I love Joey Joe Burrow. I love the city of Cincinnati. I'm still not enamored with the the team that is the Bengals and their leadership, but it seems like maybe they're getting act together better. Um, but if he can get to the Super Bowl again, um, that's it's insane. I don't care. I would love for him to win, but I don't care if he wins or loses. Getting back would be amazing. And then I want him to play the Eagles or the Giants. You know what's crazy is that three teams in the NFC East are now moving on to the next round of the playoffs. How insane is that, by the way? Like, <laughs> what? How, how, you know, three-fourths of that division not only is in the playoffs, but won a playoff game. I've, that's unheard of. That's crazy to me. Like, what? And, and remember, like, two years ago, they were the worst division in football, by the way? Like, how the tables have turned, man. It's crazy. That's and if you're telling though, me right? pick not who I want to win, but who I want to be in it, I definitely want the Eagles or the Giants against the Bengals. I definitely don't want the Cowboys because if they're in it, they could win it. And I don't want the Cowboys. No Cowboys Super Bowls, no Packers Super Bowls. Um, once why, Aaron Rodgers why, is gone, maybe I can back the Packers. But Why Philly or the Giants? Because uh, they just have great stories. Danny Dimes. Mm. Come on, Daniel Jones. Um, he's putting a lot more time uh, pushing, uh, you know, pounding on the rock than um, Brock Purdy, and he just he just speaks to me. He hasn't quit his resilience. Um, I don't know. Just a couple weeks ago, he guys act together and became maybe he's a good quarterback now. That's kind of crazy. And then Jalen Hurts, you just can't. Uh, and and Nick Sirianni, I mean, I just they just make me smile. I just want to see him in the Super Bowl. That's just fantastic. How, how can you not love Jalen Hurts? Like he's such a how do you a captivating leader? Like I really, I don't even think he's the best quarterback in the playoff. Like he's not the best quarterback in the NFL, nothing like that. But he's such a awesome person to root for. Like I, I think that's the best thing about the NFL right now is I look around and I don't really see anyone other than Dallas <laughs> that I'm like rooting against. You know, like every story's fun, no matter who it is. And he, even Dak Prescott, man. You know, I. Dak Prescott has a background uh, with, with suicide. So I, if you want to find a way to root for Dak Prescott, it's very easy to do that. I think it's really cool that every storyline going on right now is fresh and new and interesting, other than maybe Patrick Mahomes, who's been there before. But the oldest quarterback in the playoffs left is Dak Prescott at 29, which is so, so cool to me. Like, it's a whole new era of NFL football. And we'll see, is Aaron going to come back? Is Tom Brady going to come back? But it feels like right now, it's a whole new era of the NFL. Okay, but before we move on, any more thoughts about uh, Dolphins, Bills, we move on to uh, Giants, Vikings? Not really. I, I do have one thing to say about Brock Purdy, just because we're— well, we'll I, get I to just, the, we'll, I, Let's switch and talk about the Seahawks 49ers then. Okay, I think, I think the, the way we should do this is just allow it to be—let's just go wherever we want. And uh, we've All got right. like an outline we'll try to hit, but stuff comes up and you just kind of go with the flow. Okay, so Brock, Brock Purdy. Uh, what well, the reason I want to see Brock Purdy win a Super Bowl is you you know that last year they drafted Trey Lance number three overall. Trey Lance was supposed to be their franchise quarterback. He gets hurt. They bring in they you know they have Jimmy Garoppolo kind of come back after he gets hurt, become their starting quarterback for a while, and then he gets hurt. So now we're, we're on to Brock Purdy, the third string quarterback. If Brock Purdy wins a Super Bowl. What in the hell do you do with Trey Lance? Because you you invested heavily in him. He's a top five pick. He's supposed to be your franchise quarterback. And he's also really physically gifted, like talent-wise. But Brock Purdy's the one making plays and won you a Super Bowl. 
I just love the idea of chaos in San Francisco and not knowing who's going to be the guy. I think they're going to go with Brock Purdy, but that's that's unheard of to draft a guy number three overall and then a year later he loses his job and they win a Super Bowl without him and, and gets replaced. Like that just to me, the chaos of that really, really excites me and interests me. Well, you've got two two examples of it previously, and one is more apropos than the other. But you had the Seahawks that invested a lot of money. Now he didn't win any games against Super Bowl, but they ditched their quarterback for um, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Talk about Matt Flynn and then Russell Wilson. Yes. So you have yeah. that situation, but then even better than that, you have Carson Wentz and Nick Foles, and Nick Foles did win a Super Bowl, and Nick Foles is amazing. He's phenomenal. I'm say that tongue in cheek, but they stuck with Carson Wentz. They went back to Carson, and it backfired, big time. Yes, it yes. worked out long term because ended up with Jalen Hurts. But yeah, you're right. Do you remember? Yeah. So I, it's funny. I've been always trying to be fair to Carson Wentz. Like for years, I've been okay. I didn't work in Philly. He goes to Indy, and Indy was bad. And he went to Washington, and I, I really thought Washington was going to work with with Carson Wentz this year. And I was like the last person on the moon by myself like i'm the last person in a desert uh, used to be full of carson wentz fans i'm like maybe i'll give him one more shot and he blew it so hard this year and do you remember when washington went back to carson wentz at the end of the year and it was like what why would you do that and i wanted to ask you about something i think we should just keep going down this this rabbit hole there's now reports out of washington that sam howell the guy who they drafted in like the fifth round the rookie quarterback this year Yep. When, when the new league year begins in March, it's you know reported by Jonathan Jones. Sam Howell is expected to be viewed as QB one in Washington, and they're telling people they're interviewing for the job. Sam Howell is going to you know the the offensive coordinator job is open. They're telling people that are interviewing for the offensive coordinator job in Washington. Sam Howell is going to be your quarterback. Like, what? I don't understand. It's just so baffling to me the way they've managed everything and. They don't want to support Taylor Heineke, but I, I just I don't I don't understand anything going on in Washington. So, and it, so part of yeah. the reason Carson Wentz did so badly in that last game for the Commanders is he didn't have the team support, and the team wanted to play for Ty- Taylor Heineke. Mm-hmm. They wanted to fight for that kid. They like him. They respect mm-hmm. him. They wanted to go to battle with him. And if you're if 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 one quarterback's a little better than the other, but the little bit better quarterback doesn't have the respect of the team and they're not going to fight hard for him, it's done dinner, end of ball game. It's over. It doesn't matter. And I think that just saying picking Sam Howell and not having a, a, a quarterback um, competition. competition, not having a competition with him and Tyler Heineke, I think they don't want Taylor Heineke. I don't think they want Taylor Heineke because he's not cool, he's not sexy, he doesn't have all the pedigree. But if they do that. They just say Sam Howell's the guy, and there's no competition. But Taylor starts showing him up in practice. They're going to have to either get rid of Taylor because they're going to lose the locker room, but not lose it, but have the locker room be like, "Yeah, you're playing the you're, you're playing the guy that's not as good. We don't know why you're doing it, but we see it every day in practice." I, I I'm totally open to the idea that Sam Howell could be awesome. Like he played really well, I thought, in their final game of the year, and I'm I'm open to Sam Howell being. I'll watch the film and maybe do a breakdown someday. I. I'm totally open to the idea of Sam Howell being the Fort, being the Washington Commanders starting quarterback. Let's be clear about that. I just don't know why you predetermine that decision. I think you're right. Why not have a competition? Like let 
it's okay to say they're competing for the job next year, but it's weird to already commit to the guy who started one game. And that I think you're right. That's that's the problem to me is that it's it, it, you're you're creating possibility for new problems rather than just saying it's an open competition. The best guy's going to win. Yep. And you 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 mentioned the 49ers. I think that they should trade Trey Lance and get picks for him, and get rid of to trade Jimmy Garoppolo and get picks for him. Um, make Purdy your guy, and then get a couple backups for him because he costs less money. You can get more picks. You can be the, you, the embarrassment of riches, and it's going to be well for you. Have to pay him a big, big chunk of change, which lets you keep all the good players you have. Like the last thing the Forty ers need right now is Tom Brady because he's not going to take. It's uh, Purdy's way cheaper. They need a than cheap Tom quarterback Brady. that they allows them to keep the band together. Yeah. So and, and exactly. Also, so dude, ditch those other two guys and just run with Purdy. Brock Purdy is throwing the ball better than Trey Lance ever did. Correct. And, and, and he had the same system. He, they're both playing under the – you could say it's a plug-and-play system. You put any quarterback in there. But we've seen that it's not any quarterback because Trey Lance didn't succeed in this system, and Brock Purdy is. So I do think there's a lot to the idea that it's a system, but I think you need a good quarterback – at least an above average one to make that system work. And Trey Lance obviously failed that. So why keep him? I see no benefit to keeping him. We don't, we don't need to have the debate about system quarterback. I've always thought that was a dumb term. Like it's because it's every quarterback needs to run an offense, but also did you watch the, the Seattle 49ers game? Because there was an awesome play where Brock Purdy's on the goal line. He like makes a defender miss reverse pivots and then throws a touchdown to the right, you know, right flat. And it's it's a play that he he made outside of the system. It's a broken play where he's scrambling around and making something happen. And I thought that was the best example of, okay, tell me about how it's the system. No, it's Brock Purdy effing making plays. I love that. I'll defend the guy. I, I I'm so I don't know what happened to him. I'd love I've never seen like I haven't really dove into his college film. Um, I'd love to, I'd love to like have. Hey, maybe Brett Coleman can make a video about Brock Purdy at Iowa State. And did he show signs before that led to this? I don't know. But it's just so cool to see what's happening with him. And I think the most interesting question that you brought up, who could trade for Trey Lance? Is it Tampa? Could um, maybe the Jets trade for Trey Lance? Maybe New England, maybe Atlanta. Like, where could Trey Lance go? That's that's what's really interesting is who might actually trade for him. I I, I have no idea, but yeah, I think they need to ditch him and Garoppolo and just roll yeah. with him. He's proven he can do it, and he's cheap, and you get picks for those guys. It doesn't matter if they're not as good as you think you would get; you still get picks. Well, Garoppolo's gone after this year. He signed a one-year contract, remember? So he's out. But you have Trey Lance <laughs> and Brock Purdy under contract, and I I just love the idea. Where where would Trey Lance potentially go is the question. I, I, I don't have any idea. I, I hope I, we have to find out at some point this offseason. I'm not convinced that left his own devices, Garoppolo's gone. He was, he was exiled and still hung around. He was nice to everybody, even though he was exiled and totally took a, they took a big dump on him. He wasn't even you know practicing <laughs> with whatever. And, and he still hung around. Hey, I'm here. Great. Yeah, I love all you guys. And then, oh, the quarterback's hurt. Oh, I'll be your man. I'll come on in. I mean, I, I don't mm. think I, I think Garoppolo's resistant to change. I don't know what his deal is, but he was still hanging around. He wasn't grumpy wow. and mad. And- Maybe though. He, here's where I think you got to give Garoppolo credit. Do you remember when Baker Mayfield left Cleveland to go to Carolina? I remember when that happened, and I was like, 
that's not a good opportunity for Baker Mayfield. That's that's an awful football team with a suspect head coach. And, oh, great, Baker gets to be the starting quarterback in Carolina. Look how that went. It was horrible. Right. I think Garoppolo has the self-awareness to go, look, man, if it's not here, it's somewhere really bad. So I'm going to hang around until San Francisco's really sure they're done with me because I know for the longevity of my career, if I want to make money and play again, i got to have good teammates around me. And the best opportunity I have is in San Francisco with great teammates around me. Because what would Jimmy Garoppolo have been in Carolina this year? A disaster. So yeah. I think, I think you've got to credit Jimmy Garoppolo for understanding, hey, there's you know, a low-hanging fruit job somewhere where I could be a you know, starting quarterback week one. But is that actually a good – like? Do you want to see him go to Indy and have a bad offensive line and no receivers to throw to? That's actually not a good opportunity, even if you get the prestige of your QB1. You get the title, but you look terrible because you play bad. I think you just got to step back and go, Jimmy G was smart to not leave and, and to wait till he was really sure they were done with him. And they weren't. And he got another opportunity and played, played pretty well. I think played best of his career, actually, before he got hurt. So. He did, he did kind of increase his value, although he keeps getting hurt, so I wouldn't take him. I wouldn't want Jimmy no. G. He just gets hurt too much. Yeah. Bless his heart. Um, so Seahawks played the 49ers. I got to ask you, that was just, um, I don't know. I just felt like th- it was inevitable that the 49ers were going to win. They were just a way did, better did team. Really? Yeah. Man, I, I, I picked, guess I, I picked right. the 49ers. No, that's, no, you're right. So I guess going in, I, we all, everyone thought the 49ers were going to win. But yep. my question is, was there a moment where Seattle kind of got me, where that game was tied or, or really close at one point, like maybe in the second quarter. I think at halftime it was tied, actually, or something like that. And I remember going, oh, Seattle's actually challenging the 49ers. Like, they, they might pull this off. And then, like, a switch was flipped, and the 49ers scored, like, you know, three, four touchdowns in a row. But were you ever convinced? Because there was a moment where I was a believer. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Seattle's going to pull this off. Like they're they're really challenging the 49ers. Did you did you feel that way watching that game? Because I remember going like, oh, they they're actually in this game. Holy crap! No, it's I forget who says it, and whoever says it, I mean no respect. But somebody says it's about the Jimmy and Joes. Uh, you got to have the players, <laughs> and yeah. um, and the, and the Seattle compared to um, the 49ers doesn't have the players and. It's a better offensive-minded head coach at the 49ers. Pete Carroll, he's enthusiastic, he's positive, he's rah-rah, he rallies the troops, but he's not an offensive head coach. And he's not a newer McDaniel-oriented offensive head coach. And so I never thought, I went four for six on my picks this week. And if I had bet the games, I would have bet the other way for the two because the two I lost, I said it in my tweet. In my, I sent out a tweet about it saying, you know, the Giants could, um, the Giants could win and the Cowboys could win, and I would have bet it both ways. And so I would have won one of my two bets because I would have bet. I think it's a parlay, all you know, all six games one way and all six games the other. But I never, never once thought the Seahawks would do it. And um, do you think they keep Geno Smith? Oh man. I have no idea. You know, I saw a really good draft. Well, I saw a really interesting conversation. Uh, John Middlecoff put out there that Seattle should go get Derek Carr. And I thought that was a really insightful, interesting idea because Derek Carr is an upgrade over Geno Smith. And um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen to, uh, there's a lot of questions I have from everything I just said. If Geno Smith doesn't stay in Seattle, who wants him? Where, where could he go? I think he's clearly like a solid quarterback. He does some good stuff. I think he's got a lower end ceiling. Um, 
And and then if Seattle does keep Geno Smith, how much do they pay him? Because I'd pay him $20 million a year, but I wouldn't pay him more. Than, I would be very conservative and say, we'll give you a multi-year contract fully guaranteed but less money per year because we want to have good teammates around you. I, I wouldn't give him a massive big-time contract. And if he wants that, I don't think he's going to find it. I think he should go to Indy. Mm, Gino. He, yeah. He, he's not going to mm. succeed, but he could at least get a big check. Yeah. He set himself up for the rest of his life. Yep. Yep. And I, I think definitely the Seahawks should move off him. Um, I think – so Indy's got the number four overall pick. And I think what's going to happen – Here's what I would do if I was Chicago and Indy. I would trade Justin Fields to Indy for the number four overall pick. And then Chicago should draft Bryce Young out of Alabama. And then another great player with the number four overall pick they get from Indy. Indy gets their quarterback. Chicago gets an even better upgraded quarterback over Justin Fields. And they can leverage that number one overall pick or that the, they can leverage Justin Fields into another great player to build their football team around. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think Indy's in the quarterback market for a veteran quarterback after going for, you know, they, they went and got Phillip Rivers, then they went and got <laughs> Carson Wentz, then Matt Ryan. I think ownership and the fan base is burned out on getting veteran quarterbacks. They're going to draft somebody. Like, they're going to make some kind of move in the draft to go get a young quarterback. And I don't see them going to get an older veteran quarterback after three years in a row of, I think they're burned out on that strategy and just want to try something totally different, for better or and, worse. And you said uh, Middlecoff said um, Derek Carr to Seahawks? He, he said that Seattle should try to go get Derek Carr. I agree because Derek Carr has enough offensive, his own, he's cluefulness and mature enough to make up for not having an offensive-minded head coach. He can teach his offensive coordinator how to do the job. How fun would Derek Carr be working with Pete Carroll? I, yes. I love Derek Carr, dude. He would be awesome too. with Pete Carroll. Yeah, like he's I, phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That'd be like a – I think actually that's like a match made in heaven. It's the, – the only way I think a defensive-minded head coach works today in the NFL is that you have a star quarterback who they give power and freedom to. And I think that would work really well. I think Derek Carr would love playing for Pete Carroll, especially after – years and years of just tumultuous experiences with the Raiders. Like, I, I I don't understand why the Raiders are walking away from Derek Carr. That's The film analysis I'm working on right now is Derek Carr. I don't see why they would not want to keep him. And I don't know what the heck their plan is at quarterback with the Raiders. But I, I'm certainly glad because I just feel bad for Derek Carr after years of coaches getting fired, losing games, getting blamed for all kinds of stuff, teammates having trouble off the field. Like, I would just be burned out if I was Derek Carr. And I want to see him go get an opportunity where he can have a positive environment. And Pete Carroll would definitely, definitely create that with Derek Carr. And I, I don't, you said the only situation in which a defensive minded quarterback could do well? Defensive minded head coach, correct? Yeah. yeah. I mean, head coach. Yeah. I, and I just think there is no, I don't think it's, I think it's a new era. And I don't think we're going to see a defensive line head coach win the Super Bowl. I think that that day is that for now, the way the NFL, the rules and everything, I just don't think it's a, def, a defensive minded head coach is win the Super Bowl. I don't see it happening. There's, there's one defensive minded head coach left in the playoffs after one week of the playoffs, by the way. And it's, it's uh, Buffalo with Sean McDermott coaching Josh Allen. That's it. And I, I'm surprised that. I, I'm looking at the names that are getting interviewed for head cho coaching jobs, and I'm like, 
why isn't every single one of these names an awesome young offensive head coach? I just I don't understand. I I, I know it's kind of a radical thought, but I, I would not hire a defensive minded head coach. I just I don't see any benefit to it. I, I wouldn't either. You're not going to win. Not going to win no. the Super Bowl. You may have success, well, but you're not going to win the Super Bowl. The most important positions on a, in an NFL franchise are coach and quarterback. And wouldn't you want them to be tied together, working together? And then also, if you hire, if you're Sean, if you have a defensive head coach and an awesome quarterback who was developed by your offensive coordinator, you run the risk of the offensive coordinator leaving. The only way to guarantee the guy working with a quarterback isn't going to leave is if he's the head coach. So I just I would never ever hire a defensive head coach in today's NFL. And I, I wouldn't just, either. It's going to happen, and it's going to be very confusing and weird. I just don't get it. Giants Vikings. The Giants Vikings, man. Um, so the Giants beat the Vikings, and there's a lot of emotions to talk about here. Like I thought it was really fun. I thought it was. I I didn't think Minnesota was going to win a Super Bowl. I've been very clear about that. Like I I had lots of concerns about them for a while now. Like remember when they got destroyed by Dallas, and I was like, oh my gosh, that that doesn't look like a team that's going to win a Super Bowl. I am surprised it's the Giants who took out Minnesota. Like I thought they were going to get a little farther, and uh, I don't know, man. I what are your thoughts on on the Giants beating? Other than Oh my gosh, the Giants. It's so cool. I'm so happy for them. But I want to hear about the Minnesota side of things first cuz I I just was totally Oh, I don't know. I I didn't think they're going I didn't see them as a Super Bowl team, Minnesota. But you lose in the wild card round? Oh, what a shock. What a surprise. I wasn't surprised. Now I picked the Vikings, but I I didn't pick the Vikings because I thought that they were better than the Giants. Um, I think the Giants are on a roll. I think their head coach, I like the head coach of the Vikings. I think the head coach of the Giants is even better. Um, mm-hmm. And I think he had his team rolling and believing themselves and prepped. Um, the reason I picked the Vikings, it came down to I just thought the home crowd, maybe a little bit of having lived in Minnesota and knowing what that home crowd's like, I thought you know the, I gave a, little, a couple points to the, home, the, to the home team because of the home crowd. And I thought that might be the issue. But I put in my tweet, the Giants might win. Uh, and I would not, and I was not surprised when they won. Um, I just don't think that the you can't have that defense and get very far in the playoffs. And I thought they would win one. I didn't think they'd win two. And their defense is what did them in. The best thing Minnesota could do, well, really, first of all, you got to hope Brandon Staley gets fired. I think Brandon Staley as defense, you know, the head coach of the Chargers, who looks like he's probably not going to get fired at this point, but I, I would fire him if I was LA. He would be such a great defensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, I don't know. I, I just, uh, what's, did you see, and we can talk about play design because it looks like Kirk had no one open, but it's such a bad look for Kirk Cousins on fourth and eight at the end of the game to throw a check down like four yards downfield. It's like, because there are more Kirk Cousins thing to do. <laughs> well, the reason in, in the press conference, what? In the post-game press conference, the reason he said he did that is he went through his checkdowns, they weren't open, and he felt like he was about to be sacked. And he knew that if he was sacked, it's ball game over. So it seemed like between being sacked or throwing a pass that might not make it, might not be far enough, that was the better of the two bad choices. I mean, yeah, he's right. Now, but... whether he could fight out of it or all that, I know it's a bad look, but... 
I, I don't, I'm not hating on Kirk. It's just funny. Remember, that's the guy who once kneeled instead of spiking the ball before halftime. Like, he, he's never been the best in big moments. And I just think there's not a... If you told me just... The only thing you told me about the game was, hey, on fourth and eight, game on the line, Kirk Cousins threw a check down. I'd go, that's the most Kirk Cousins things I've, thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Like, okay, of course, of course he did. I don't even know. I'm not even hating on the guy. It's just like, <laughs> man, what a, what a weird way to go. I don't know. Uh, that's the thing I'm hung up on, but I, I think when you step back and really look at it, you go, I mean, he had no one open. He had pressure on him. I don't know what you do there. It's kind of a no-win scenario, but it was, it was an ugly look. Um, yeah, and for me, it all comes down to the Vikings have a terrible defense. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, and, dude, how about the Giants, man? You know, Brian Dable in year one, you come in and you win a playoff game. Like, that, that just is exciting to me. I'm really happy for Giants fans. It's one of my favorite sports cities in America. Like, the, the New York market is incredible and they're tough and they're passionate and it's cool to see the Giants and their fan base get a win in the playoffs um I don't have a lot more to say about that other than I just Daniel Jones was awesome man like I thought he played maybe the best game of his life uh, he made one himself of the 50 60 the 70 million dollars in that game say that again he made himself 50 60 70 million dollars in that game mm, yeah, yeah he, he earned the, a contract yeah the Giants have to keep him now they can't not keep him yeah I think the fan base would mutiny. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Which is funny because I think at the same time last year they would have mutinied by keeping, you know what I mean? Like how yep. it's a, a roller coaster in New York and ah, it's fun. Okay, Ravens, Bengals. Oh, man. Um, the, the narrative here that's interesting. Hey, Joe Burrow gets a win. Really cool to see. I, I think the storyline, though, is that Lamar Jackson didn't play and it's kind of the drama that ensues with that and. I don't know. This was the game I was the least interested in all around because the the Ravens were playing a backup quarterback, and um, I I didn't give them a chance to win. Like we, I think both of us thought Cincinnati was going to win. In fact, the, the fact that it was even as close as it was was surprising to me. Um, John Harbaugh is an amazing coach. Here. John Harbaugh is an amazing coach, mm. and that's what happens. You play the same team three times in the season. It it's it just ah, yeah. you, you know them way better than you would know anybody else. Yeah, you're right. They're, it's a division rivalry game, and so you you know them well. And I guess it makes sense. That's why it was close. You can explain away why it was in, like close, intense. You got a great coach. You got two teams that know each other well. But I don't know. Do you feel? I felt just a sense of. Um, I, I felt not very interested in this football game. I guess. Did you feel that way at all? Other than, I mean, I just thought Joe Burrow was going to win. And when I feel like I don't, when I'm not, when I feel like I know what's going to happen before the game even is played. I really lose interest. I'm like, okay, like, what am I watching for then? It's going to be a beatdown, and it was closer than I thought, but it felt inevitable that Cincinnati was going to win. Yep, I do too. Now, I'll say one thing to Lamar Jackson's defense before I dump on him, heavy okay. and hard and a lot, but I okay. get it. He's not going to risk a quarter of a billion dollars. He will probably get a $250 million contract from someone, um, and you just don't risk that. You just don't do it. Um he doesn't have a contract. He's doesn't have an agent. He's in a mess. Um, he, he it's just a bad situation. But I understand, on one hand, financially, why he didn't play. I, I I understand financially. I think the other thing you could say is that if the Ravens really wanted him to put his body on the line, they should have paid him in August. You know what I mean? Like if if you wanted him to really risk himself, you should have paid him when you had the chance this last off season. Does so that make if, sense? If, if the rumors are true, he wants. 
more than um, goofball in um, the Browns uh, in Cleveland got, and he wants guaranteed. <laughs> he wants guaranteed, yeah. just like he got, but he wants more than that kid. Who's the guy in uh, Cleveland? Deshaun Watson. Yeah, yeah he wants. Which Deshaun more. Watson's an outlier, by the way. No one's going to make more than Deshaun Watson. But that's what that the if the if the report should be believed, that's what Lamar Jackson wants. He wants like more than Deshaun Watson got, mm-hmm. and he wants it 100 percent guaranteed. And I think that if that's true, that's why the um, Ravens didn't play him or didn't pay him. And now I think if I'm if I'm the Ravens, if I'm John Harbaugh, I don't want him. Now I get I, I said I get why he didn't play because he's going to get some to do it. But if I'm if I'm the Ravens, I don't want him. You you go away. We'll trade you, or you just walk away. We'll get nothing for you because I don't think he's worth the headache. I, I just don't think he is, and I don't trust I don't trust him to get paid and then actually perform or not get hurt. And he's going to want more guaranteed than is probably prudent for the team. I think they're better off without him. I, I just don't mm-hmm. think he's. I just don't think what he brings and the amount of guarantee that he's going to demand. Because then, if you, he gets hurt, you're still paying him. But now you got to pay another quarterback. That's the problem. He wants an absurd amount of money. That's that's backbreaking for the football team. That's what I think, and I just and I don't. I just don't. I, I just think that the, the uh, Ravens need to move off him, move on from him. And I don't think John Harbaugh wants him back. You just listen to him around the edges of his press conferences, the last few press conferences. He wasn't saying things that made me think, "Oh, I really want you back." Well, his recovery kept getting pushed back more and more and it was taking longer and longer than it should have and I what I think is really telling were his teammates talking about Lamar Jackson the Ravens were frustrated like I mean the Ravens players his teammates were like bro boy why aren't you here like why aren't you we're going to war and you're not coming with us we both agree we get it hey you want generational wealth I me too like hey I, I get it but you lost a lot of respect and trust from your teammates. And maybe it's best if they part ways. Um, it, there's also, we're in a, an NFL world today where there are so many quarterbacks that are going to be available, it, whether it's the draft or guys like Trey Lance or uh, Geno Smith, maybe. Like Geno Smith would be an interesting fit with the Ravens. There are lots of names out there that could come play for Baltimore that are not going to be worth, you know, $260 million fully guaranteed, um, that can do some quality work. I think Derek Carr would be incredible at the Ravens. Geno Smith would be awesome. I don't know that Jimmy Garoppolo's a great idea, but there are, there are so many quarterbacks out there that could come in and fill the role that are a better value proposition for the Ravens and that haven't burnt the bridge of not going to war with their teammates in a big-time playoff game against and- a division rival, the Bengals. And John Harbaugh seems like a fantastic guy to play for. You want a good coach. I mean, yeah. he, he is just top shelf. You know his background? World. He's a special teams coordinator. He's not offense <laughs> or defense. It was just so cool to me. Like, he, he just, uh, he's just he's an just awesome smart. leader. Man. He's, he delegates really well and hires good people. And he's, you're right. He's a great leader. Like, I'd love to play for him. Yep. Okay. Um, Cowboys, Buccaneers. <sighs> What a what a disappointing game! I, you know, <laughs> I I knew. I, I shouldn't say I knew. Tampa all year really really struggled with their offensive line, and yep. Dallas has Dallas and the 49ers are the two best front sevens in the NFL. Like their their defensive line is incredible. The defensive front seven is ridiculous in Dallas. So already on paper, it's not a good matchup. 
But you can still hope. Like, one can still hope that good old Tom Brady is going to pull out one more crazy upset victory. It didn't happen. And it was just disappointing. Like, you know, we can. I don't really care about the, the kicker that missed a bunch of extra points. For me, it was Tom Brady lost. He's probably done in Tampa. And even worse is Dallas won. <laughs> no, I, I can give you good news about Dallas winning. Okay. Here's the good news. Mike McCarthy can send a text to Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It is pretty funny to see Aaron Rodgers sitting at home while Mike McCarthy won a playoff game. Yeah. I mean, in the only team, I, you know, I want the Cowboys to lose. Um, but then the only team I want to lose more is the Packers until Roger, their, their, their Aaron Rodgers' curse is gone because I think he's a terrible leader and I just it makes me want to throw up every time people say, oh, his stats, his stats. It's like, yeah, back in the day. Anyways, but I'm so glad that, okay, at least the good news is McCarthy is moving on and Aaron Rodgers is still at home. I think one thing that has to be said is that Dak Prescott played really, really well. He and. Did. It's fun to hate on Dallas and all this stuff, but, you know, Dak, I thought, hey, if Dak plays the way he played against Tampa, the rest of the playoffs, this is a team that could win the Super Bowl. I mean, Dallas is not consistent enough for me to have faith. Like, you're never going to have me say, Dallas is going to win the Super Bowl, because I just don't trust them. But I know that on their best day, Dallas can beat anybody. And you think when they Dak can beat the 49ers the way, next week? If Dak plays... Really, really, yeah. In there is a in in a world of alternate dimensions, one of those branching paths is Dallas beating the 49ers. They are capable of it. I don't think they're going to win. I so think the 49ers are going to beat Dallas next week, but it's people, definitely possible. So to understand all this, you tell me people need to watch Loki so they can understand about diverging <laughs> timelines. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, only in an alternate dimension does Dak Prescott and the Cowboys beat the 49ers. No, my, my point is that. I I just want to – I don't believe Dallas is going to win a Super Bowl. I think they're going to lose next week. We've seen them be so inconsistent all year. But I think what comes along with that statement, right, that negative statement where you're doubting the Cowboys does have to be the acknowledgement that, hey, they are pretty good. They've got a lot of talent. Like the best of the Cowboys is really, really good. The problem is their best doesn't come out very often. And yeah. so does that make it sense? Is- yeah, and as much as I like to 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 you know, just because Cowboys fans are so obnoxious and like, yeah. but you, we have you, to be fair. Well, right, but you know, you you won your first uh, road playoff game in thirty years. Whoop de doo! I mean, come on now. Um, I just don't have. <laughs> I just the fans is one of the reasons I don't like um, the Cowboys. I would love Jerry Jones to get one more Super Bowl before he kicks off. I think that'd be cool. And if the if they do win, I'll be uh, and beat the 49ers, I'll be so happy for D- Dak Prescott because I really like him. I really like Dak yeah. Prescott. That being said, they have no shot next week um, on Sunday when they play the 49ers. No shot. The 49ers no win that game. No shot. shot now. That's it. Yeah, that, that's hands down. There's no way. There's no way. What I think is fun about that statement is for people listening, if Dallas does beat the 49ers, I cannot wait to see what Mr. Steven Chandler says next week. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Oh, I can't the- wait. I can't wait for the haters because, you know, 
you know, you have a hard time. You're not a fan of the haters, but I'm happy to bring on the haters. I think the man, I, I've got a chapter in one of my books, you know, the, 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 how important haters are to, you know, growing your brand. So I'd love to have the haters come on. I would think it'd be so much fun just because I made such an outlandish statement if the Cowboys do win. But let me repeat myself. The Cowboys have no shot and the 49ers will beat them. Done. Bless their hearts. Okay. Bless so, their pea picking blue star hearts. We've talked about the Cowboys. Or Silver Star. Silver Star. Yeah. What's next for Tampa? Tom Brady's gone, right? Yeah, Tom Brady should not go there, and they need to fire their coach. But they, as far as I know, it's Tuesday. They haven't fired him yet. So yeah. mediocrity you, is next for Tampa. Not only – so you and I both agree Tom Brady's done in Tampa, correct? Yes. Is he done in the NFL? No. I think so. I think he's going to go somewhere. But I think he's going to go somewhere where he's got a shot to win another Super Bowl. Yeah, and so what are the places that he – so 49ers, they won't take him. They don't need him. Nope. Even though it would be a great story, I'd love to see it. He's from Northern California, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But it's just not yeah. – I just don't see that happening. No. I, I think he would, he could win a Super Bowl with Miami. Yep. Could he win a Super Bowl there with the Ravens? <sighs> Maybe. I, he, I see one, two – I see four four possibilities of where – Tom Brady could go. Do you want to hear them? Yep. Miami is the obvious one. That's, that, that, that excites me the most. They already yep. tried to get it. Their owner got in trouble for collusion or whatever the word is for tampering. Miami's number one. Then I see, um, what was the one you just said a second ago? Uh, Ravens. The Ravens. That's They're interesting. My I I've never heard anyone say that one. That's really interesting. So Miami's number one. We'll throw Baltimore in there. That's interesting. I think New Orleans is really interesting. New Orleans has got... New Orleans is so talented everywhere. They've got a really good receiving core. They've got a good offensive line. They've got a great defense. Like They're ready to win. They just need a quarterback. But the, the number four team, that's like a wild, wild one I'll throw out there, Dad. What about New England? I think he's what about just... New England, Dad? Could he go back? Do they have the horses? No. For a Super Bowl? No, it would just be sentimental nonsense. I don't <laughs> no, think he he's, does. He's, he's... I think the only place he goes is Miami or, or maybe maybe Baltimore, really, realistically. I think Miami yeah. it's Miami or, or bust. I don't know why he would go anywhere else. Well, I, you know, um, Loomis is the general manager of the um, uh, New Orleans. I can't remember his first name. Um, Mickey Loomis. And he... Yeah, what is it? Mickey Loomis. Yeah, Mickey Loomis. Right, Mickey Loomis. He loves uh, Sean Payton. Now, Sean Payton's interviewing everywhere, but if Mickey Loomis can go to Sean and say, "Sean, um, I think I can pull off getting um, Tom Brady back. Would you like to finish out your contract with us one year? Because you owe us one year still. We have to, you know, get a trade for you or something and have Tom Brady. Um, I wouldn't put that past Mickey Loomis to pull that off, and. Well, do you remember the plan that was supposed to happen in Miami? Yeah. It was supposed to be Sean Payton coaching Tom Brady in Miami. Yep. I think I think it's Sean Payton can coach um, Tom Brady in New Orleans, and Mickey Loomis is crowned a genius for making it happen. And I think that the one of the benefits that Mickey Loomis is hoping is that Sean Payton's doing all this interviewing, he realizes, oh, maybe the grass isn't actually greener. Hmm. So uh, yeah. that would surprise me. So I, I would love him to go well, to the and 49ers. Also it's one year. So if, if it's one year and it doesn't work out, you can go somewhere else after that. It's exactly. Kind of a, it's low risk. Yep, for both of them. 
I mean, because Tom Brady can sign a cheap one-year contract, but I don't think Tom Brady's going to go. He he's not going to the Raiders. No, uh, no, because he he wants to. He's not going to go through the misery of not trying to win a Super Bowl. He's not going to do it. He I did it this year. He, yeah, he and this he's year not was too awful. He he's done with that experience ever again. If he doesn't no. think he's got a chance to win a Super Bowl, he's not doing it. Yep. So you said you had four teams. So you've got um, you've got Miami. You've got my wild card Ravens because they need to dump Lamar Jackson. Um, we've got New Orleans. What was your and then other I one? Threw out, I threw out New England because it, it oh. sounds chaotic and fun. Yeah, he's not. But he <laughs> no, can't win the Super not. Bowl there. No, you no, I, no. It's just, it's just a crazy thought. Like, I don't know why he would. But so here's how more wild fun. Would that be? So go back here's and save what, Bill Belichick's career. So here, yeah, it's it's too late. So here would be more fun than that. Okay. Tom Brady. And um, uh, to the Seahawks. I was going to say that, yeah. Tom Brady and Pete Carroll would be fun. That would be a they, lot of fun. He wouldn't win the Super Bowl, but it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. It would. I, I don't think he goes there because I don't think he win a Super Bowl, but it would be fun. Yeah. It'd be interesting. Yep. <laughs> All I, I, right. That's, but that's it. I mean, I don't see a lot of opportunities. I think it's Miami or New Orleans, really, for Tom Brady. And if not that, <laughs> it's, it's over. I've got something before we move on to talk about next weekend. Can we talk about one more thing? Yep. Um, Cliff Kingsbury got fired by Arizona. Mm-hmm. And it's been reported. He just said, I'm out. He got on a plane, went to Thailand. And there's no plans to come back. Uh, other NFL teams have you know, approached him about working for them. And he's like, I'm not interested. I just want to say that that's pretty baller. And I, I totally get it. Like He's owed like $30 million by the Arizona Cardinals. He's got all the money you could ever want in your life. And I, I, maybe he comes back in like five years and coaches football again. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he just go lives on a mountain somewhere with beautiful warm water and nice weather. And I, I just think that's a pretty cool story that I think is worth talking about, even for a brief moment. That, hey, he's like, look, I'm on the positive end financially. I'm just going to go enjoy my life somewhere really awesome. And uh, I think that's pretty cool. I really love that. So I'm about to say something I might be quite wrong about, but I was just in Belize, and um, for every, it's when you get the bill and for dinner it's two hundred dollars, Belizean dollars. That's only a hundred U.S. dollars. And if I'm if I'm reading correctly, it's it's like thirty times for for one one Thai dollar is three cents of the United States. So he can you, live like an absolute king. Yes, and you may not know this because, like, you know, I I, I keep up I with the cool kids. Say, oh no! Oh no! I know what you're gonna say what? I know, I know about Thailand, Dad. <laughs> no, 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 not oh, this. No, no, my gosh, no. But uh, you know, you can follow his uh, Cliff Kingbury's girlfriend on Instagram. Oh, let's and find she's it. got pictures on Instagram that are not good for your poor. You know, you should not see those Instagram photos of her half naked with your own eyes. Um, but oh, she's no. talking. Not my she, eyeballs. Not with your own eyeballs. No. <laughs> so yeah, he's definitely enjoying the good life. Uh, you know, I'm surprised that Sean McVay didn't do that too. Are you? I think the Rams are. It's bad. They're not gonna. I think next year is not gonna be good for them. Why? why I wish. I wish McVay, it was. Yeah. Why, why don't? Why do you think Sean McVay didn't do what Cliff Kingsbury is doing and go get out of foot or, or go be either a broadcaster or go be rich somewhere else? Like, why do you think he's staying in, in L.A.? I don't really get that. 
In fact, of all the options Sean McVay had to go broadcast, to go live like a king somewhere, the Rams and being their head coach was the least compelling of all his options. Is that how you feel? Um, yeah, I, I, I think the reason that he stayed is um, uh, the quarterback said, I'm staying. And I think that may, and then probably behind the scenes was begging him, hey, come on back. We can do it again. Come on back. We can do it again. And the quarterback said, I'm staying no matter what, if I understood correctly, the reports. Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford came out and said, I'm staying and kind of implied or maybe directly said, I'm staying whether he comes back or not. So I think that's that it's that pull, that loyalty, the, the team, let's get the band back together. But I just don't I think the ship has sailed. Um, they're, they're, they're not going to have a great year next year. If they have a good year, they're not going to go very far in the playoffs. I think he's burnt. I think he's tired. And I think he needed to rest. Do you and he think... should have taken a year off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's why he got the joy of having Baker Mayfield at the end of the year for him was an interesting twist, like something to engage him again. Right. Yep. And I I wonder if I think Baker Mayfield should stay in LA to be totally honest. I think be the backup behind Matthew Stafford. He'll get hurt again. I think, I think that's the best place for him to be. Do you agree? Like what would you do if you were Baker Mayfield right now? I know that's out of left field, this conversation, but I'm really curious about his future. And I think, I hope he learns from the failed experiment in Carolina where, hey, being QB1 on a bad football team isn't actually that great of an opportunity. Maybe being the guy waiting in the wings in L.A. is actually a better job. What do you think of that? Uh, I think he should not go to Indianapolis. No. Not not that they would want him, but I don't think he should. But I think he would do well um, uh, in Seattle. Would you rather Geno Smith or Baker Mayfield? Man, I, I I don't know, but what I do know is that Baker Mayfield's personality, playing for Pete Carroll is a lot of fun to think about. Yeah. Like, and and that's a coach who would embrace the emotional fire that Baker Mayfield has. He wouldn't suppress it; he would enjoy it. Does that make sense? Yep. He, yep. you know, like you ever dated someone who doesn't like the things you like most about yourself, and it's like discouraging and it sucks. Yep. I think Baker's had coaches that tried to kind of dim the light that is Baker Mayfield's passion and energy and some of it's unhelpful I think but I think you have got a coach in Seattle with Pete Carroll that could focus that passion into something positive which is I think what Sean McVay did as well where I think Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland didn't like that about Baker Mayfield that he gets angry and hooked and has grudges and stuff but I think that's how Baker motivates himself and if you just learn to work with that and use it to your benefit rather than fighting against it like Pete Carroll would does that make sense? I think that'd be so cool. I hadn't thought about that at all. Yeah, I just and I, I and you know Seattle fans they get loyal. You know they 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 love Geno Smith and he needs to come back and blah blah blah. But I think you can get. I think Baker is probably just as good as Geno Smith, and he's younger. probably and he's probably cheaper, cheaper and younger, lot like a longer future. Yeah. I think yeah, that's the thing Gino's with Geno Smith. Get, you got to count. Gino's, Gino's gonna, I don't. I don't know Geno's contract, and I should. But regardless of what his contract is, he's going to want to get paid. He's going to. Geno Smith get was somebody. on a one-year contract, so he's he's going to have to get paid right go. now. Yeah, he's right. going to. And, and, he, and, and, and he he's earned it. He should get paid. Um, you know, he has the passing record for the Seahawks, which is amazing. Um, he beat out Russell Wilson's passing record, which is phenomenal. Um, However, I just think he's going to want to get paid, and I think you can get Baker Mayfield cheaper. He's also five years older than Baker Mayfield. Yep. 
Yep. So, I don't know. Yeah, I. Uh, what? A, what? A, I think we got better as the show went on. By the way, I think. I think that the more we did this, the better we got. All right. So I do want to cover next week's games briefly. Yep. Uh, Jaguars Chiefs. I I think Kansas City wins. I think that. What's going to be fun about it is what kind of challenge can Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars provide? Is it a game that all, all I really want is the Jaguars to make it interesting. If the Jaguars make it interesting, like they lose 28 to 31, that feels like a victory in my eyes because Casey is a heavy favorite. They've been there before, but I just, I'm just for like something to watch is can the Jaguars challenge Kansas city at all? I think Doug Peterson has a shot to do that because he's such an incredible coach. And he believes in his team. And I think the only – I also think the Chiefs are going to win. But I will – in my when I do my uh, tweet later this week, my picks, I'm going to say I will – you know, um, the Jaguars could win. They'll, I'll have – that would be one of my could-win teams. And I think if they do, one of the reasons that the Chiefs would uh, lose if they do is looking ahead and not mm. respecting the Jaguars. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, I think the, the hard bigger to take game – serious. The bigger game is Buffalo-Cincinnati. And and you're right. The winner, like it might. I think that's a good point. Is you're looking ahead. You know, a fun little storyline here is that um, Peterson has history with Andy Reid, and it's two former Philadelphia head coaches playing each other. Isn't that kind of funny? Like it is. And, and like, and they both won Super Bowls now too, which is kind of cool. Like, I don't. I love that thought. That oh, this is kind of a fun little wrinkle there. Um, hey, by the way, Andy Reid today. Uh, it's it's been ten years since he came to. Um, Kansas City. This is like his 10-year anniversary was today or something something like that. I think that's pretty cool. I really I uh I, I think he's one of the more underrated head coaches in the NFL. And not only like Bill Belichick has won more Super Bowls than Andy Reid, but Andy Reid has done so much more for the game. Like think of how many coaches have come from working under him. Like the Andy and succeeded. Reid coaching successful career. coaches. Yes, successful coaches. Won Super Bowls even. Like Almost nobody's ever played for Bill Belichick has become a good head coach and won Super Bowls or even really had a winning season before. Andy Reid, something about his approach and the way he teaches people and prepares them for opportunities, coaches, I think, flock from all over the world to go work with Andy Reid because he really sets them up to succeed on their own when they leave him, which is pretty cool and interesting. Okay. Uh, Giants-Eagles. <laughs> uh I think the Eagles win, but man, is it going to be a dogfight? It's just going to be a battle. I mean, I I think Philly's a better football team, but similar to Cincinnati playing Baltimore, it's the third time they're going to play each other this year. It's a division rivalry game. And by the way, say it out loud, it's New York and Philly. Like, that's a fun bar fight, let alone a football game. You know what I mean? I just think that's going to be... Interesting, and I, I, I really, really love these two fan bases, and I think it's going to be fun to watch on Twitter. It's going to be fun to watch in the stands, and it's going to be a blast to watch on the football field. And I think it's going to be a lot closer. I think Philly's a much better football team on paper, but given the emotion of the moment, given that it's a rivalry game, it's going to be a really, really fun, interesting game. I would be shocked if Philly won by like 30 points, and I'd be flabbergasted if the Giants won by 30 points. So I think one of the advantages, as crazy as sounds that the Giants have going into this game, is that it's it's an away game at Philly. Mm. 
Because that energy, Why is that, that, advantage? that that energy, that hatred, us against the world, that hatred, Philly. I mean, they stinking through batteries at Santa Claus. I mean, they, they are just <laughs> th- those are mean fans. Those are mean yeah. people. I mean, it's like, um, you know, you played against a school union uh, and those are the worst parents ever that I was around. Those are horrible human beings. The parents that and their kids do union. Just terrible, terrible, terrible people. No class, awful. And I think that that, that actually will play in. Dable will use that to motivate the Giants. And they go there all the time, so they're used to it. But like you said, it's the third time playing it. I think they're going to thrive on the hatred. I would be thoroughly disappointed if either team won by a lot. Yeah. So I, I'm going to pick the, the Eagles for now, but who knows what. I'll send my tweet out uh, Friday. But I won't be surprised if the Giants win. Bengals Bills. This might be the Super Bowl. I mean, it, like, I, Casey's in the mix too. But man, like, I, I said this earlier. If you ask anybody in Cincinnati, players, fans, coaches, they think they're the best team in the AFC. So does Buffalo. And I, I think this is the game of the weekend by a mile. This is going to be an incredibly fun football game. So who's the better quarterback? <laughs> I I uh I have no idea. I I think it's there are so many reasons you could argue either one, which is why that's what I love about this kind of game. It's two of the this is the new Manning Brady or Breeze Rogers or whatever whatever you want. Like these are the best of the best. Like you know the AFC has got three of the top three or four quarterbacks in the NFL, and we might be seeing. Number two and three getting ready to play number one, Patrick Mahomes. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so interesting to me. And I, I don't know. I don't know what to say about it other than I just can't wait. Like, it's going to be just incredible television, the best game of the weekend by far. And, um, I have no idea what's going to happen. And I, I, I love that. I, I really enjoy that feeling. So I think Joe Burrow is better than Josh Allen, hands down. Note for me, there's no question. And who do you think has a better coach? Buffalo. No. I, I do. I okay. do. So so I th- my, my pick is Bengals all the way. Um, okay. If the Bills play anywhere anywhere like they played last – the game they just finished, they're, they're not going to win. And I'm definitely siding with the Bengals. Do you want to have the debate a little bit about – the debate meaning like I can explain – so Joe, Joe Burrow is – I, I love his confidence. He's an incredible decision maker. He's so dang accurate with the football. Like he he just like he'll throw back shoulder fades. He's wily. He's wily. Yeah, he's and got this, I, I I love him. Like I love him. I love his accuracy. He's in, incredibly um he's fun to watch. But Josh Allen does some things that Joe Burrow can't. Um in short yardage on the goal line. Or on third and one, when you have... So Josh Allen, massive arm, can make any throw you want. But what really scares me about him is if you run a bootleg, you you fake the run, you get Josh Allen rolling out towards the the perimeter. On a bootleg situation, on third and one, fourth and one, the goal line, he has the option to run the ball, and he's so big and powerful, he can run you over and get a first down. Or... If you don't respect the run, if you respect the run and you run up to tackle him, he'll throw the ball downfield. And it's just, it really puts a lot of pressure on the defense. And so maybe that's something to look forward to in this game is if there's a third and one, a fourth and one, 
a play on the goal line, look for Josh Allen to get booted out of the pocket on the perimeter where he can run and lower his shoulder or he can throw the ball downfield. And it just creates a problem where I have no idea what you do as a defense to stop that. It just, it's impossible because if you commit to tackling Josh Allen to throw downfield, and even if you do commit to tackling Josh Allen, he might run you over. But if you allow Josh Allen to throw downfield, that's a problem too. So I don't know what you do in that moment, but watch for short yardage to see how Josh Allen handles that because that's really interesting to me. I think that um, Josh Allen, his challenge is that he's a bit of a gunslinger like Brett Favre. I think he's mm-hmm. devolved, and I think that's because he has a defensive-minded head coach. He doesn't have an offensive head coach. I think he's been developed. He's way better than he was. When we were in Cincinnati, um, uh, we saw Tom Brady play in Cincinnati, what, 2019? And we watched some of—we went to a—, a uh, we were at, at a, uh, walking around this cool part of town, and we stopped and we watched some of his game. I mean, he oh, was we playing watched Pitt- it was Pittsburgh Buffalo, and we were in the UC district, kind of by the college. Yes, kind of by and, Cincinnati. And he was, Cincinnati. I mean, he's so much better, than, and he was he was a good good quarterback then, but he's so much better now. So I'm not saying he mm-hmm. hasn't gotten better, but I I just worry that he's a bit of a gunslinger, and also, who do you? So, hey, by the way, that bartender still follows me on Instagram. <laughs> What's up, Becca? <laughs> so that um, – oh boy, you have a memory. Uh, that was a fun trip. That was an incredible trip. I mean, shout yeah. out to Skyline Chili. Absolutely love me some Skyline Chili. Um, so it's, I think it's close. I do think that the players love Josh Allen would go to war for him. But I think Joe Burrow's players even more love Joe Burrow and more go to war for him. I think when it comes to when you talked about the, the the intangibles being a quarterback is do your players love you and will they fight like hell for you? And I think Joe Burrow gets his players they more want to fight for him harder than even the Bills want to fight for Josh Allen. Mm. Yeah, I I just go back to this man. My my favorite thing in sports is when I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I. I, I have no idea what's going to happen in this football game, and I'm going to just enjoy that moment because it could go either way, and, and either one of these teams could go on to win the Super Bowl, and that's a pretty that's a pretty cool place to be. I mean, the AFC is going to give us this game, and then the winner plays probably probably Kansas City next weekend, so it's a win-win-win. It's just going to be awesome. Yeah, and whoever whoever wins, if they do play Kansas, that'd just be a great game. Um, yeah. It's a phenomenal game. I'll say last one we already covered it a little bit, but just for closure, for my sense of closure, Cowboys Forty yep. ers uh, The Forty ers are gonna are gonna win. I uh, yeah, easy. I, I think we're gonna see Philly Philly against uh, San Francisco in the NFC um, title game. But man, you know it's interesting that there's not the added drama of it's it's the only NFC East team. There's three of the four, right? Two are playing each other. One's playing the 49ers. And uh, I would you rather play Philly or San Francisco? I would rather play Philadelphia than San Francisco if I was the Dallas Cowboys. Like, Correct. I would kind of feel like I lucked out. Like, I know they're a, they're a higher-seeded team, so theoretically, like you know what I mean? Like, on paper, you're supposed to play. It's an easier game because you're playing a lower-seeded team, but I think the 49ers are way more scary than Philly, actually. Yeah, I don't see how 49ers aren't in the Super Bowl. I just think they are headed to the Super Bowl. I'm not saying I like that, but I just think they are going to win this game, and I think it doesn't matter whoever whoever's left, they will win that game. Um, 
I think I'll tell you what, man. Philly, San Francisco is such a fun matchup. Like I think we're gonna get that game in the NFC title game, and that the amount of game. dude, the amount of talent all over the field. I mean, we're getting to the final couple teams, and and everyone left is so good, but especially like up front, the offensive and defensive line for both Philly and the 49ers is ridiculous. And you know what we get, to, what we do get to see here with Philly, or sorry, with with Dallas and the 49ers is probably the two best front sevens in football playing against each other. All year, the two teams that I would not want to play against as a former quarterback is I don't want to play against the 49ers defensive line, and I really don't want to play against the Cowboys front seven. The amount of pressure they get on quarterbacks, the the hits and stuff. What's fun here is we get to see firsthand Dak Prescott or Brock Purdy. Which one of those two quarterbacks better handles pressure and getting hit and getting thrown to the turf all game and... um. I believe they're playing in San Francisco, so it's going to be probably muddy and wet, and you're going to have you know grass stains all over your jersey. And which quarterback handles that better? Who is getting hit, thrown to the turf? And I, I think, I think Brock Purdy handles that better. Actually, I think Dak Prescott's going to throw two interceptions and get thrown around a little bit. And I, I think Kyle Shanahan's going to help prepare Brock Purdy better for that opportunity in that moment. So I, I think that's. That's what it's going to come down to, though, is these two defenses and their ability to get after the quarterback. And I think that's where his having played at Iowa State, uh, cold weather, <laughs> uh, really helps Brock. For seriously, I think he what I think and, he played and, forty you know, games not, for them. Not a great, not a great program. Yeah, like, and I think he played like forty games for them. I think. I mean, so he's got experience, yeah. um, and it's a tough. It's a. It's Iowa is a dark, awful place. I mean, and it gets <laughs> flat. Cold it's there. a very flat place. I've been there. It's very flat. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's 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 cold in Montana. It's cold in Iowa. It's cold in um, Minnesota. But of those places, Iowa's the worst. I mean, you know what's funny, man? I saw a meme the other day where some guy said, "You know, everyone knows the world's not flat, but if you're from Iowa, I kind of get it. <laughs> if you're from <laughs> Iowa and you're a flat earther, I kind of understand how you reach that conclusion." <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right, so this is what what episode is this? Five thirty, episode five hundred and thirty-five. Well, you did a fantastic job. It's a joy for me. You are my favorite sports commentator. Um, I love hearing what Zach thinks about football, and now getting to actually pick your brain—what a joy for me! So much fun. And, I'd love uh, to say at the end here, you know, um, I I canceled Strong Opinion Sports. <laughs> I did at five thirty-four. Uh, and then an opportunity arose to basically with sponsors were like, we got money. You want to do the show? You got You got to do a co-host. And I was like, I'm not in a position financially to turn down money, let alone to talk about sports with your dad. I mean, how many, how many people would give a, give a lot to get paid to talk about sports with their dad? I mean, you know, like, so I think when I stepped back, I was like, okay, we're doing it again. And I, don't tell me who's editing this. I think it's you, but I don't want to know. Like, la, 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 don't tell me. I don't want to know. I'm so glad to be out of the production pipeline. Um, but I, it's it's fun to talk about sports, and I hope people listen. Do we have a sponsor? Do we need to, like, go back it's, and put it's that coming. at the beginning? It's coming. Okay. It's coming. And I can okay. always do – I can use my equipment and do ad reads, you know, and then insert them because I've got that technology. <laughs> okay. Cool. Well, <laughs> I know that, that thought of you – and me and technology terrifies you. Um, Again, if you're reason. editing this, just don't tell me. I don't want to know. <laughs> Am I not better than I used to be? 
<laughs> oh boy. Oh. <laughs> hey, there right. it is. We did a podcast. We did a sports show. Look at that. Yeah, and you, great stuff. I love your thoughts. I love your feedback. I mean, your comments, your thoughts, your insights. Absolutely fires me up. Uh, fantastic job. All right. I can't wait for uh, next week when we'll talk about uh, division winners and see what uh, any movements happen with any of the quarterbacks or Sean Payton. You know, as we as we look ahead, I got to say, I'm I'm so excited for Bengals Bills. And I'm so excited, actually, for Cowboys 49ers. I think it's going to be, man, every, you know, every game. Also, you got Philly Giants. It's a divisional game. Like, I just a really, it's going to be like a really fun weekend of football. It's like only four games to watch, very manageable. And at least three of the four are going to be really good. And we'll see if Jacksonville can put up a fight. Like, it's going to be a great weekend of football. And that, that makes me really happy. So Yeah, I, I wouldn't get out Doug Peterson. I think they'll put up a fight. Doug Peterson's pretty amazing there in Jacksonville. So. Yeah. Well, and, and just just for the Cowboy fans, I know that I said the 49ers are going to win. They have no shot. But it would I, I would be happy for Mike McCarthy and for um, Dak Prescott if the Cowboys won. That would make me happy because um, I think Mike, Mike McCarthy, I don't think he's that great a head coach, but he's way better than people give him credit for because he managed Aaron Rodgers for all those years and helped him win. What <laughs> a nightmare to deal with that. I mean, wow. Am I wrong? I, I just, I'm just enjoying, I'm, I'm imagining people sitting at home fuming. And that's what I'm doing. I'm like, oh, I, know, I, I, I can't wait for the hateful no, comments. It's, it's uh, I can't wait for the hateful comments. Um, but yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a terrible leader. The glares, when you glare at your team, your teammates, um, when you, it, it, I just, no, that's a rant for another time. But uh, yeah, so well, that, at least that will give be... Aaron an opportunity to piss you off. You're just going, you're just catching strays. He's he's just trying to live his life over in Wisconsin or Malibu, wherever he is. And he's like, we're still talking about me. He's like, oh, come on, guys. Like, I thought I got away from the season. Poor Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. I do hope he comes back to the Packers so he can um, not make the playoffs again. That would make me happy. Well, do you think he goes? Why, why not? We've gone this long. Do you think he goes anywhere? I think he goes, I think he does come back, but where could he go? I don't know. I, I think who, who, whoever's dumb enough to p- pick him to thinks he's going to be great and wonderful and a good leader and not be an arrogant jackass who thinks he knows better than everyone else. Um, uh, I think he comes back because ego won't let him not come back. I, I would rather, if I'm Miami, I would be nervous to bring in Aaron Rodgers, whereas Tom Brady would be more fun. And and Tom Brady, Tom Brady actually gets to know he gets to know his receivers. I mean, you know what's a fun thought? Uh, Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets, and then going to the Minnesota Vikings, because <laughs> that's what Brett Favre did. Yeah, <laughs> that, that would be great. So I would happy. love that. That would it'd be so fun. What if he just does exactly what Brett Favre did, but wins a Super Bowl in one of those spots? Like that would be so cool to see. I don't know. I, 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 as much as I don't like Aaron Rodgers, if he got the Jets Super Bowl, I'd be so happy for Jets fans because the Jets fans Wait. have suffered forever. We lived in Minnesota when I was a kid. Yeah, and I was to there. this day, if we, yeah, yeah, it, well, if, <laughs> if, if, when we watch football, we could be watching any 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 two teams playing. You'll still yell touchdown Vikings. Like we were watching, dude, we were watching some Bengals game recently, and you did that, and it's like they're not even, not even playing. So because you had, you had a little you had a little purple and gold football that yes. when you hit it, it said that. I, I know. My the reason I say that is because you still have affinity for Minnesota, correct? I do. Yes, for sure. Oh yeah. But you hate Aaron Rodgers. Yes, he's a Packer. She said. 
And part of that is because you're, you're Minnesota loyal, correct? Yep. But what the hell would happen if Aaron Rodgers became the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings and then won a Super Bowl? How how conflicted would your head be and your heart? like? And how would Minnesota... I've been on a plane in Minneapolis and I've seen the Packers fans talking crap to the Vikings fans and the Bears fans. And it's fun. It's not as harsh as New York and Boston. But... What would happen to Minnesota sports fans if Aaron Rodgers, the guy they've hated for years, became their quarterback the same way Brett Favre eventually did? I love that thought. So here's a better one than that. Okay. I think that even as much as people's heads would explode, we can explode more heads if we have um, Brett Favre win a Super Bowl with the Chicago Bears. (laughs) He's already their owner. (laughs) (laughs) That's fun. Kyle, let's sign off. I love you, Dad. Thanks for doing this. It was fun. All right. Take care.